On today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we're checking in on the rebuild and asking ourselves if we should be concerned, optimistic, neither or both. That's all coming up in just one moment. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 794, and we thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined not by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla, but by the wonderful Ian Boisvert, host of the Build podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ian, how are you doing? And thank you for giving me a second episode of your time today. I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I I take my role as podcast uncle fairly seriously, so I'm happy <laughs> to be here. <laughs> and we're always happy to have you. And honestly, so for anybody who's listening to this, we are recording this on Sunday right after dinner. So if any trades have broken between the time that we recorded this and you are listening to it, I will have done a bonus episode discussing that trade. So we are right now uh, operating under the assumption that the latest thing the Canadians have done is not tell us anything about Kirby Doc's injury, not tell us anything about Monaghan's injury, and also trade of Genny Dodonov for Denis Goryanov. Right, so that's where we're at right now. And so what I thought I would do, uh, particularly with the host of the Build podcast, maybe Ian, give me a quick brief overview as to what your podcast is about before we launch into today's topics. Sure, yeah. So I... I... Wanted to take the opportunity with the Canadians changing their front office to sort of catalog how that front office goes about building a hockey team. Um, that way, you know, my thoughts on it are all concrete. They're all in one place. It helps me organize my thoughts. But, the you know, every I'm not above a, a, a gimmick. And the gimmick on this show is that as soon as the Canadians win a cup, I will consider their rebuilt, the rebuild built. It'll be over um, and the show will end. That'll be the last episode that, that I do. Um, so... You know, it, it's sort of right now, it's a lot of, you know, theoretical talk, how, how the Canadians are building a winner now. It's tough with the roster that they currently have, with the cap situation that they're currently in. Um, but I, I, I think what I aim to do in these early stages is provide sort of a, a framework for how I think they're thinking, how I think Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton think about the things that they're doing. Um, it's been fun to do. It, I, I encourage you all to listen to it, of course. Locked on Canadians is your first listen of the day, but make the build the second one. It's only once a week. So I think you can, I think you can swing it. You can fit it in. And that's what, so I'm like an episode behind, but like I can do it. Like I literally, I, I will be almost on time with it week to week because it's, it's less of a commitment than, than our show is. Uh, but it's, it's great. And the reason that I thought that this would be, you would be the right guest to bring this up with is right now. I think it's because it's been, an uninspiring season you know they came out of the doing really well uh and now they're in a situation where their draft pick isn't as low as they want uh or as low as fans want or as low as would be an ideal for a rebuild and in the games themselves they're not playing very well um they're or they're losing a lot of games and so 
by checking the pulse on social media, whether it's our listeners are on YouTube, whether it's just, you know, being around Habs fans on social media, talking to Habs fans around the city, people seem to be really dejected and they're not, they're not super optimistic about the rebuild anymore. And I think this is something where I feel like it's way too early to give up. And I understand the sentiment where if you want to be a contending team, you want as many top, top picks as possible, right? Like you want your first overall two years in a row. You want that Connor Bedard or even Adam Fantilli, right? You want those game breakers. And so chances are, if you end up in not a top two or three pick, with the sorry, not with a top two or three pick, that game breaker isn't going to be there. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I also don't think that it's the end of the world if the Canadians pick draft like pick fifth or seventh this year, right? So I did want to start by talking about you know why is the rebuild taking or why does it feel like the rebuild is taking as long as it is? Because uh, they stink. I mean, that's the long and short <laughs> of it, right? It's like the rebuilds when you're living through one, they take a long time because we're seeing a lot of listless hockey. We're seeing a lot of games where, you know, even on the ones that they win, they don't play particularly well. Um, a lot of those wins are because Sam Montebo decided to go full Dominic Hasek and, and, and play, you know, lights out hockey, which doesn't happen all that often. But when it does happen, it seems like on Twitter, it's the end of the world that the goalie makes a save, the thing they're paid to do. Um, I don't necessarily think it's taking too long. I think we're I think we're right on schedule with with how you know how you, you take a look at the roster that was inherited, right? Um, they picked up you know Gorton took over the November of of last season. Um, Hughes took over shortly into February after that, or you know Marty took over shortly into February after that. The roster's bad. It was bad then. It's bad now. There's a lot of bad money that. I don't think a lot of this team really gets fixed overnight because of a lot of that bad money. Um, they can't, I don't know that they're going to find a home for Mike Hoffman because he's got a lot of money tied up this year and next year. Um, I don't know that they're going to find a home for Yoel Armia because he's got a lot of money tied up for, I think three more seasons after this one. So there, there are, there are issues there that are, there are issues present that were not created by the people who are currently in charge they're still in cleanup mode, right? Like we're not, you know, my show's called the build. They're not really building anything yet. They're, they're stockpiling assets. They're stockpiling youth and draft picks and, and they're trying to create negative value by moving things out. Um, in that end, I think they've done pretty well. Um, there are still a lot of messes to clean up that I don't know that they'll really be able to clean up. Um, Carrie Price is going to live on long-term injured reserve for the foreseeable future. That Brendan Gallagher contract is going to be a boat anchor on this team if he stays in the state that he's in. Um, that's another guy we didn't mention earlier, but it, no injury updates on Brendan Gallagher. He's just not playing. Um, you know, Paul Byron. He actually doesn't off. exist anymore. He disappeared into thin no. air. Yeah, Schrodinger's Gallagher. <laughs> he just disappeared. Um, Same thing with Byron, actually. But like, at least Byron, we knew, right? <laughs> yeah, he's he's been on that he's been in the same spot all year. Like Gallagher at points this season looked like refreshed Brendan Gallagher and he took a couple bumps and he's back down to being the guy that we saw last year. Um so I, I understand why there's why there's some, you know, uh, pessimism when it comes to this rebuild. I think I think there's there are these you know 
misconceptions that there's only one way to go about this, and it's by drafting a generational talent and building around them. And, you know, yes, you look up and down at the rosters of teams that have won the Stanley Cup over the last 20 years, and you see a lot of those teams have that first overall pick making a difference on that roster. I think people are tending to forget that we have that. His name is Yuri Slavkovsky. Like he is a Montreal Canadian. He was picked first overall. You can make the argument, well, it was a weak draft year. Well, it was this, it was that. He's a first overall pick. Um, and he's going to be a part of this team if they, you know, manage to turn this into a contender. So, you know, to the folks who are saying it's taking too long, I don't know what to tell you. I'd rather it take too long and them do it right than them try to rush it and do like what the Buffalo Sabres did three or four times before they're finally starting to figure it out. These things take time. I'm not worried about the amount of time that it's taking. And we talked a little bit about the amount of time that it's taking. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of other areas of concern and whether or not uh, we can kind of alleviate people's fears in this conversation. Uh, And then we're going to talk about all the reasons to be optimistic. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. You know we love Built Bar. They're always low in sugar, low in calorie, and they always have so much protein in them. And usually we'll tell you to go to Built.com and get 15% off your order with your promo code LOCKEDON15. But in case you don't want to order it online and wait around, you can also go to Walmart or Sam's Club and you can pick up some of the most popular flavors. You can get cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, and more. You can go to Sam's Club and get brownie batter and churro flavored built bars. You know you want to try these, so you've got those options. You can go to Sam's Club or Walmart, or you can go to built.com and enter your promo code LOCKEDON15 for percent off your order. So in addition to the amount of time that it feels like it's taking, I think for me, one thing that I want to say is that it's still year one of a rebuild, right? And I think that a lot of the feelings that we're getting, a lot of the sentiment that we're getting is context. Because if the Canadians were sitting at right now, they're sitting at picking seventh, right? Like that's what it looks like if you look at the standing rankings and everything like that. If they were sitting in that exact same spot, but winning games instead of losing games, would we still be feeling that despair or conversely if games kept winning but had such a low draft pick would people still be concerned because what's happening is that when the Canadians win a game there's a subset of people that are getting really annoyed because they think the Canadians should continue to lose and then when they lose a game potentially the same but I think it's a different subset of people that are like well, this team is always going to be mediocre and it's always going to suck. And what it all ends up coming down to is that I think people are kind of scarred by previous iterations of retooling rather than rebuilding. We know that we live in a market where for the longest time, nobody would have tolerated a losing team or a rebuild. They would have thought it was shameful. Nobody would have tolerated tanking, which people still think is shameful, purposeful tanking. Um mm-hmm. And so I think like for me, to be honest, the reasons that I would personally be concerned is there's a couple at play here. One is, like you said, there are so many albatross contracts on this team. And by the time you're listening to this episode, one of them might be gone. We don't know. But there's a lot of money that they're going to have to move out and ship out and be creative about if they're going to start paying their young players what they're worth um and another reason that i have to be concerned is you mentioned you know the canadians had 
that first overall pick, Slavkov, like an injury like this so early in his career to me is quite concerning. And also the number of hits to the head he's taking, which is partly because he needs to learn to keep his head up. But like at the same time, like this is very early to take so many knocks to the noggin. Yeah, I think Slavkovsky, I've talked about him on my show a few times, you know, when he was taking a lot of those big hits. It's, it's, yes, it's that he needs to keep his head up, but he's also adjusting to a brand new um, size of ice. He's never played on ice this small. So I think oftentimes he just doesn't know where he is. Um, you know, we, we saw that not only in the hits that he takes, but in the hit that he gave Matt Luff of the Detroit Red Wings. I don't think Slavkovsky's a dirty player. I think he had no idea where he was on the ice. Um, so, yeah, I, those are all valid concerns, right? And, I mean, injuries, it's a contact sport. Like, these things are going to happen. I if you, it, I can't lose sleep over Cole Caulfield blowing his shoulder out every season from now until, you know, the sun explodes. It's not. It's just not a reality that I can concern myself with. Um, there are... Part of some of the reasons that I have for being concerned are that one, only one team wins the Stanley Cup every year. And I know that's a silly thing to be concerned about, but the reality of it is that no matter how well you rebuild, no matter how well your team is built, a, hot, a goalie might get hot for two months on an eighth seed and they might win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, you know, my, I'm in baseball, I'm a fan of the Washington Nationals. And, and um, I think Steven Strasburg, their pitcher, the year they won the, the World Series in 2019. He said every year it seemed like we ran into the buzzsaw and this year we were the buzzsaw. You know, it's a lot of it is building a team that can consistently compete for the Stanley Cup. But there's a lot of like fairy dust and magic that's involved in a team winning a Stanley Cup and winning any kind of championship, really. Um, so like there's a there's a, a large portion of this that is left up to luck. One of those things is the draft lottery, right? Like that, the whole concept of that is that the NHL doesn't want to just give the top rated player to the team that performs the worst. It's if we're being honest, the entire draft, the concept of a draft is ridiculous. Like the idea that these players have no control over where they go. And when they do, like Eric Lindros did, they're kind of uh, demonized into choosing the direction they go. Um, that's a story for another day. The, the idea that, like, you know, any anything can happen between now and the time, you know, a draft pick plays for an NHL team. Um, we've seen some pretty tragic things happen, like um, with, I believe it's Rodion Amirov of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who developed an illness. Like, there's so much luck and and just happenstance that goes into to a winning team that no matter how well the Canadians build a, a, a team that can, can you know, consistently get to that stage where they're a Stanley cup contender, you know, stuff happens. It, 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 there's a lot of this that's entirely out of their control. And I think a lot of that as a fan, it can be kind of um, anxiety uh, inducing because there's so much of it that's out of your control. Or you can like the point that I've kind of come to is there, there's so much of this that's out of my control. Like why I can't get worked up over them losing to the flyers when the flyers played like, hot garbage like they're gonna win games that they deserve to win they're gonna lose a lot of games they deserve to lose it's it's hockey that's what happens that's exactly it i think for me it's that 
because we haven't had that in this market or we haven't had a purposeful rebuild in this market, people don't realize it takes three to five years, right? Yeah. And in those three to five years, you do want to see exciting things. And unfortunately, all our exciting things are injured. Like Caden Gooley is yeah. injured. You know what I mean? Arbor Jack is injured. Kirby Doc is injured. Cole Caulfield is injured. Uriah Slavkowski is injured. We're not seeing the exciting things night in and night out. If next season all of those players are playing and the Canadians are still losing game, I bet you anything, our moods would be so much better. And so mm -hmm. I think like I wanted to address this a little bit just because like, you know, as somebody who hosts a podcast that we put out five days a week, we are your team every day after all. It just it felt to me like there was a disproportionate amount of despair in this market. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of like, you know, talk about it and see like, you know, does everyone feel this way? Should everyone feel this way? And on the flip side, there are reasons to be optimistic. And we're going to talk about all of those in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I want to tell you about Athletic Greens because I started using it to take control of my health. And that's because it supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity, which I know we all need day to day and alertness. It is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality minerals, vitamins, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. It supports all of the things. And right now it is time for you to reclaim your health just like I'm doing and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we are in the midst of the flu and cold season. With just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's all you need to reclaim your health. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your own health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, as well as five, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ulti ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And speaking of nutritional insurance, I think the Canadians um, have done a lot to kind of take care of their team a little bit more. We've read over the course of this season how last year when Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon, not Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon uh, took over, um, there are a lot of things in terms of communication, in terms of player health, in terms of like nutrition, just basically even at the sports complex, that kind of stuff that changed uh, under his tenure, you know, there are a lot of things they were trying to improve the daily life, but they've also brought in, you know, just even talking about Nicholas, for example, uh, just the, the personnel that they've brought in. And so I think for me, my biggest reason for being optimistic about this rebuild is that the front office is smart and it is bold. And those are two things that you need. It doesn't matter. Let's say the Canadians got three first picks overall, first overall picks three years in a row. I've seen that happen elsewhere. I've seen that be squandered elsewhere, right? It doesn't matter who you get. Well, no, it doesn't matter whether or not you get them. It's what you do with them when you do. And so for me, one reason that I feel optimistic is just literally the personnel that are in the front office. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff Gorton kind of taking that on. I know Eric Inglis had a great piece in Sportsnet about the, him modernizing the Canadians. 
Um, the fact that they are looking at a hockey team more holistically than just what appears on their payroll is a massive part of this. The, the goal needs to be that the Canadians put their players in a position where the only thing they have to worry about on a day in and day out basis is playing hockey for the Montreal Canadiens, right? Them, you know, having private chefs come and cook for them at the, at the, the practice arena. Um, you know, they have a, a player liaison who is just, if the players need something, they call this guy and he, he, he does, he does these things for them. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of times in the past, the idea was just, well, if we get the right players in here, everything will work itself out. And that's just not the case in a salary cap world where, you know, the Canadians are kind of at a disadvantage because of the tax situation in Montreal, they have to find advantages in other, in other ways. Um, one of those ways has to be creating a first-class experience for these players. Um, I know Kent Hughes has made putting players first sort of his mantra. It's why, like, the play he wants the players to be the first to know of a trade. Um, his he's got an open door policy for his players who hear their names in the media to come and talk to him. Um, but you know, on top of that, just the idea that like they're putting they're creating an environment that these players all they have to go in there and worry about is playing hockey. Like that's that that has not been the case in a long time here, if if at all. Um, so it, it's it's nice to see. Um, another area is is their analytics department. They were outsourcing their analytics um, and research to you know an outside vendor. That's not the case anymore. With Chris Boucher there, he's built a team. They rely on him for information. Um, it's it's sort of. They're trying to take advantage in the ways that, and I hate saying this, like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs have taken advantage of their financial might. Everyone has the same salary cap, but you know the, the wealthy teams have to find a way to flex their financial wealth. Um, you know the Rangers have the benefit of playing in Manhattan, and the players get to live in New York City, and that's super cool. You know that 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 tends to bring in free agents like Artemi Panarin. The Canadians don't really have that. They have to find a way to to, to make that work. Um, if there's any reason for optimism, it's that these guys are in charge either, you know, creating a first-class environment for players or bringing in people who will do that, like Adam Nicholas. The Build is a massive fan of everything that Adam Nicholas has done to this point. Um, he's creating player dashboards for each prospect in the Canadian system so that they know exactly where they stand and where they, what the areas that they have to work on. Um, you know, it, it's only going to pay off when a guy like Lane Hudson finally shows up and is NHL ready or is very close to being NHL ready. Um, so as pessimistic as people are because they're either winning too many games or the way they're losing is not adequate. People are going to complain regardless of, of anything. Um, I think that this team is in very good shape um, to build a winner in Montreal for a long time. Whether or not they do that remains to be seen. You know, I'm a big supporter of, of this um, front office. I'll also call them out when they do something stupid. But I'm I'm at the very least very optimistic with everything that we've seen so far. I think one of the things that I have been really impressed by is the fact that they value hockey smarts and hockey decision-making, right? You can't do anything about the players that they've inherited, but all the ones that they go for, whether it's in trades or whether it's in, in uh, drafting so far, I know it's, it hasn't been a very long time, literally just a year, 
but you can tell that they want people who are going to work together to execute a vision. Now, the coach might change, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Like Martin St. Louis is here and he's being given an opportunity to prove himself. And as we've seen this season, he's had ups and downs and he's learning on the go as well. Right. But this team wants to be fast. They want to be skilled and they want to outsmart opponents. And that to me is something that's so important because the frustration that I had with the previous regime slash regimes was that they just they were still playing an older version of hockey than the winning teams were playing at this moment in time. So the fact that not only are they trying to keep up with that, but they're also trying to exploit market inefficiencies within that. Like, you know, there's there are very few teams that have deep pockets like this one. And admittedly, a lot of those teams come with the pressure of winning, something like a Toronto or 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 a Montreal, right? Those teams that have the ability to give those world-class experiences and also invest in analytics and knowledge and education and skills coaching and, you know, a specific person just for skating or whatever it is, like, they also come with a higher pressure, higher, high pressure to win. But you're, you're giving people an opportunity to become part of history. Athletes are competitive people. They, they're in this for a reason. It's not just, you know, I'm good at hockey and I can make money. Like, you can't convince a single athlete to coast or lose. You'll never convince me of that they'll have periods of slumps or whatever, but you can't convince me that anyone like any player in the NHL doesn't want to bring a Stanley Cup back to a franchise like Toronto or Montreal or whatever. So like giving them like telling them not only do you have the chance of doing that, but we have done literally everything within our means to make that happen to the best of our ability. Like I think that that's something that few franchises can sell. And Montreal can do that. And they, and they mm-hmm. are doing that, where they, whereas they haven't in the past. And I think it's just so smart and just so effective of Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes to say, all right, you know what, Jeff Molson, like this is a team that like, yes, you've sunk in a lot of money. And again, it is a lucrative team. Let's, mm-hmm. let, let, you know, but, you know, you've had other front offices convince you to spend a lot of money. And now I'm here to convince you to spend more because we think we can make a winner out of it. Like credit to them, like credit to credit to Jeff Molson too. So I think there's a lot that the Canadians are doing that give me hope. And if they continue on this track, then it's really just a matter of luck, right? Because any team that wins the Stanley cup, you have to be good and you have to be lucky. You're never just one of those things. When you win a Stanley cup, you go all the way through four rounds, you win 16 NHL playoff games. You have to be good. And you have to be lucky because usually the ones that are lucky, they lose, <laughs> they lose either yeah. the conference final or the Stanley cup final. So basically, essentially they're doing everything that they can, that they can control. They're, they're planning it out, putting money towards it, making smart decisions about it. The only thing that they literally can't do is control luck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when they're ready, when this team is finally ready to flip that switch and become a competitive team again, their captain and their most likely leading goal scorer have already been on a run to a Stanley Cup final. You know, like we talk about when, when Nick Suzuki was named captain, folks were saying, you know, oh, he's, he's too, he's too young to be doing this in this market. And I've always pointed out that like age is just a number when it comes to Nick Suzuki. Like he, he's played in Stanley cup final games. He's, he's gone on some long playoff runs. He's, he's played meaningful hockey um, in junior. Like he's, he's been to the mountaintop. He's been to the Valley. Like he, he knows what it takes to win in this league. 
Cole Caulfield too. He was there along for along with it as well. Um, he went from a situation where he was winning gold at um, in World Juniors to coming into Laval and playing three games and deciding that he's way too good for that league <laughs> to coming into the Canadians when they were kind of spiraling and going on a run to a cup final with them. Like right. the, the parts that are here, they know what it takes to win. They've been there. Um, it's just a matter of building the team around them and then getting that getting that good luck, having that magical run. Over the last decade in Montreal, we've seen a lot of those. We've seen some pretty magical runs in the city of teams that are, you know, in retrospect, I think we'll look back on and say weren't really all that good. Like that 2010 team was not good. Yaroslav Halak was very good. Um, you know, that 2014 team, that was a pretty well-built hockey team. It wasn't perfect. They could not score their way out of a wet paper bag. But they were a very cohesive group. They weren't. They were not a, a cup finalist, and we obviously there are reasons for that. Um, but you know, the team that went to the cup final in twenty twenty one. I mean, we had whatever was left of Eric Stahl barely putting anything together for the Canadians. Like they were, they were putting that together for Carey Price and Shea Weber. The players were playing for those guys. Um, this team, I as we said this this whole time, I'm not. I'm very optimistic that they'll figure out a way to do that because winning in this city is is special, um, and and it's something that you know the guys, the core, the core players in Suzuki and Caulfield have already kind of experienced it. Now, if they can only figure out the future of their goaltending, I'd feel a lot yes. more confident. <laughs> We're going to give them a little bit of time to sort that out. But in the meantime, Ian, thank you so much for joining me for two episodes. Uh, please tell the people where they can find you and all of your work. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at maybe it's Ian, um, and uh, the build is available wherever you find podcasts. I it's through Anchor and Spotify, but it goes to just about everything. So uh, make it make it a, a weekly listen of yours. I absolutely agree with that. And in the meantime, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends to su subscribe. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You will be able to email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you want to leave mailback questions in the YouTube comments, please put mailback question somewhere in the comments so I'll know that, that it's a mailback question. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening. And tomorrow I will be back with a recap of the San Jose Sharks game with J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks.